Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. Our first exercise here in the Eccentric Minute is the K-Box Squat. This is the granddaddy of all of them, guys. One that we use at all levels of our training with a vast array of athletes. A couple big tips. I like to use a, something for our hands to support it. Make sure that strap is completely taut at the top. Don't leave it short. Don't leave it long. What I really like the most about it, guys, the iso-inertial wheel, we're going to use this with other squats as well. The other squats are working to depth. These, we're going to get to an athletic position and work our way up. Push hard and make sure you're fighting to hit that breaking force. As we cut reps, we usually cut depth as well to make it a little bit more transferable to what we do. This is an awesome exercise that I can't recommend enough. Throw it in your training. It's going to be great for you and your athlete. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat? Well, you can find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over 100 different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we have an absolutely awesome show. This is a live Q&A we did with Stephanie Mock a couple weeks back, and there are a lot of super Super questions and awesome answers from Coach Mock. Some of these are going to include, you know, her evolution over the past year, some changes that were made down in Starksville, you know, VBT and some pros and cons she sees with implementing it. What's, you know, in her opinion, what does she really need and want from high school strength and conditioning coaches when it comes to prepping the athletes that she gets to work with? You know, and then we get into like actionable strategies to increase buy-in and communication with sport coaches, athletes. And within the support staff, guys, this is really an awesome talk. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Let's get right to it. There were actually, dude, a ton of questions. And there's actually like a lot of coaches in here right now. So for everybody that's hanging out, if you guys have any questions or anything that you want staff to address, like fire away. Let's be involved. Let's be active. Uh, but while we're waiting for that, let me see if I can pull up some of these because there were some really good ones. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we got to take from Clemson Olympic strength, so we have to take this one. <laughs> we have to. Yes. What is the uh, What is the biggest change you made training wise in your philosophy over the past twelve months? Yeah, you know, first one I got. Mississippi State. It was pretty crazy coming from Clemson. Uh, we had a lot of different pieces of technology to utilize there. And whenever I got here, there was like nothing, no gym awares, no type of, um, from an assessment standpoint, no force plates, 
Um, so it kind of really made me reflect upon what's most important as I started to um, invest in different pieces of equipment and sell my vision. So uh, my first, I'd say, eight months here before we were able to buy anything, it kind of made me go back old school a little bit, uh, more RPE, uh, getting estimations from the student athletes. And then now that I've kind of gotten up to date when it comes to uh, like reflecting on softball season, even though it came to an end, uh, being able to get them on the force plates, do some readiness testing on the contact grid, RSI. Um, it allowed me to reflect um, using those numbers to make changes in training on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so that's where I'm at now, along with Jim Aware, putting them in different groups for training. So some of my like juniors and seniors, more of like a speed group. Um, and then freshman, sophomore, maybe, maybe more of like a hypertrophy uh, strength group using the Gym Aware and then their work sets being set up, um, whether it's like, let's say, twos or threes or singles um, for the speed group and then setting that target velocity, let's say, depending on the year and the phase, um, working from like 0.7 to 0.9 to 1.0 um, and then more of on the other end, the other groups still being able to, to work those kids, but without having some of those different pieces of technology um, and using your, your coach's eye, that's always going to be important no matter what. But I think that's the change that I've made um, going from a place of having everything to kind of resetting, starting from the ground up, and now where I'm at now, and then hopefully pushing forward and adding even more pieces. So we'll see. But digging, that leads right into another question that was left, and that is what is your take on velocity-based training and its usage in all training phases in lieu of percentages? Yeah, so I'd say um, from a VBT standpoint, uh, one of our student athletes come in, of course, going to start with um, our ground zero program. We're not going to throw them straight into VBT just because we don't want them driving from the wrong places. And um, we're going to be focusing on uh, creating capacity. Um, and then from there, depending upon just like with my background, whether I've worked with track and field athletes, soccer, volleyball, making sure I set up the ranges according to not only the sport, but the height of the student athlete. Of course, with cleans and things like that, I'd, we'd set up different charts of like, all right, for a track sprinter that's, let's say, 5'2 to 5'5, five, five, her ranges um, and her ability to create speed just with her lever arms, um, her ranges may look a little bit different compared to like one of my high jumpers that's six foot to 6'3. Um, so their charts would be a little bit different just based off of that. And then also thinking about, all right, some of your more elastic kids, some of your jumpers and things like that, they'll be able to. Um, not only have long lever arms, but they have that, that bounce to them, that the elastic components to create that speed. So I think that's the one beauty of my situation is I get to be around, let's say, nine different sports. And from a, a VPT standpoint, it may look a little bit different. So you can't get pigeonholed and just thinking one way. You have to be able to adapt um, depending on the day and then the charts and then the kids that you're working with, too. I dig it. So then how long did it take for you to kind of figure that that distance over time and to get those alterations based on height on them. Yeah. Reflect back, um, working with Rick Franslau at Clemson um, and talking with him, he had a ton of different numbers from working with track and field there for such a long period of time. And he had worked with the elite of the elite, Brown Rollins that won a gold, model, gold medal at the last Olympics, to, um, some like kids that maybe come in as a three-star and we have to develop them to a five-star. So depending on the ranges, um, building up that clientele um, and him just collecting data over time and then me coming in and kind of reaping the rewards, luckily. But I have to say he put in the back end work of 
um, having just getting numbers um, and going back to track and field because that's the, the easiest way of um, with that sport it's numbers based is objective so it's either you're you're running faster or you're not you know from weekend to weekend and when you're trying to peak are things working are they not so I think it uh it's such an objective sport compared to other sports of course it's just a win and a loss so like what you're doing um you can't truly measure like is it working or not working you can to a certain degree um but uh yeah track and field definitely puts yourself on blast of whether you're doing your job or not you know because it shows no doubt no doubt you know you touched upon it a little bit when you were talking about your progression when it comes to freshmen and then the upperclassmen that you get to work with uh but coach clay who was actually on here on friday asks what traits do you want to see your freshmen develop before they start to train with you down in Starksville? Yeah, um, so I really harp on talking with uh, parents and things like that as kids are coming up, whether they're coming on a recruiting visit and they're in the next grade, um, trying to play just as many sports as possible um, throughout their time. Don't worry about getting in the weight room and squatting the whole world on your back. Um, just working on developing those other ends. So like if you're playing soccer and then also running um, track and field uh, from an energy system standpoint, um, developing on that end, and then also like going off that example, developing coordination, um, and then elasticity with jumps, skips, things like that. So really trying to get them to play as many sports as possible as long as they can, which I get, like they're gonna have to specialize at some point in the one sport. Um, and then also just everything being relative. So making sure that they can handle their body weight, um, don't rush into the weight room, um, we'll take care of those things. Because at the end of the day, like if they're going in movement and it's not correct, then that's going to take even that more time for us to that. Yeah, got you back. Pause there for a moment. So um, working, um, playing as many sports as possible, and then just that relative strength, making sure that they can handle their body weight in different planes of motion, um, whether it's just a regular body weight squat, split squat, lateral lunge, um, different scapular patterns. Um, hinging, of course, is very important, but try not to make it too fancy too early and then um, getting that, that relative strength and work capacity. Uh, and then once they get here with us, we'll kind of handle the rest of it. So try to keep it simple as long as possible, for sure. What if there's someone that has a strength coach? What would you want to tell the strength coach that was working with them in high school? Yeah, I definitely ran into this a good bit, especially with the NCAA allowing us once they to communicate with whether it's their sport coach or their strength coach but um telling them like hey these are the different patterns that we'd like to develop and making sure that um even like coming off of different injuries you know because you'll have kids now getting surgeries in high school and you're like man making sure that it's spending time with the pt and things like that um and making sure they're taking care of business there and i think really not trying to push the envelope too hard like hey make sure you guys master that say these five things um and then we'll move on from there but skill mastery of a few different things, um, quality over quantity is extremely important for me when I'm talking with them. Do you have that run in often? Like kids coming in kind of a surprise, boo-boos and surgeries and stuff? Yeah, I feel like more and more, sadly, you know, cause they are, they're playing less and less multiple sports. They're just in one sport since like the seventh grade versus like, I think back to my time, like I was playing three or four sports and it's like, shoot, so I think um, just specializing early is starting to create these situations that we're dealing with now. Um, so just kind of seeing like what you can to talk to your head coaches to educate 
talking with the head coaches of like, hey, let's make sure that they're playing. Like we have a girl coming in that's a high jumper too, um, like for volleyball. And hey, try to like encourage them to, to play these multiple sports. Don't tell them to do the opposite. Um, Cause then at the end of the day, we'll take care of business. But like telling them like, hey, that's only gonna drive your vertical up if you're a high jumper, you know, so it's not gonna hurt us. And then everything else from a, a technical tactical standpoint, we can teach them once they're here. So kind of having the, the sport coach have your back in that regard of, encouraging them to play more sports rather than the opposite um and that's just for you as a strength coach to have those conversations with your sport coaches on that piece yeah and that ties in pretty good to another question that was left and that is what are some actionable ways that you have found to really help get buy-in from the coaching staff yeah um i think one thing i was actually talking to fergus conley the other day especially uh with some of his stuff that he's put together from an online education standpoint of trying to change our vocabulary and verbiage um, to best fit what the sport coaches use. So like, for example, um, for us, we use volume and intensity. And for him, he's saying from like an SNC realm, that's what we use, but trying to change that verbiage over to, for a sport coach, more quality and quantity, because that makes more sense to them. So having those conversations with him, I'm like, yeah, that does make sense. Um, and making it really easy and digestible to understand having conversations like that. And then hopefully from there, um, once you have the sport coaches, like at least you're on the same page and you understand things. Once you start having those conversations that will build into um, just making sure that you don't have an ego as a strength coach. Like you're coming into them and just trying to bring value to their program. You're not coming in and telling them what to do. Um, so like, hey, even talking with them about different drills that you're doing at practice and how that's matching up with your, your training in the weight room. You know, let's have a, a high-low model, like high CNS day. Let's make sure what you're doing on the court, like let's draw up some of the different drills that you think would be high CNS, and then we kind of talk whether or not that actually is. Um, and then more of a low day, does that make sense for whether it's some um, lower intensity, more volume-based, things like that. So just making sure that you guys see eye-to-eye. -eye. But I think it's really just starting out and having open conversation and just – I have said in the past, just framing it as an observation. This is something that I'm seeing, not that I'm right or wrong um, or indifferent, but uh, just trying to have open conversations with them um, and then asking for their feedback. You want to ask them questions and, and know what they know um, and see what you can do on your own to help. Because anytime that you're going towards a sport coach and asking, like, how can I help? I feel as if why wouldn't they want you to be part of it, you know? Yeah, no doubt. And I think that what is really important with all of that is meeting them where they're at and being able to communicate the same language because, yeah, like, I think all too often we like to talk about how we are on the same, like, we have to teach them what we're doing when in reality, if you could just switch some verbiage so that it fits into theirs a little better, um, it might be an even better move. Definitely. No, I think um, that's what, like, talking with Ferguson, someone that's been a strength coach and now on the outside realm, him explaining it to me in a sense of, hey, if you just change a couple words, it makes a world of difference, which is true, you know? Um, and they can understand it at a higher level because that's how they've kind of phrased it their whole entire coaching career. So you're not making them get too uncomfortable. You're meeting them kind of halfway and then, having those conversations from there. No doubt. Tony just asked, dynamics of working in high school include multiple sports, multiple coaches, including the high school club coach. 
and often club coaches require S&C as part of their two practices a week. How do you manage all that? I don't know if you can. <laughs> okay. Dynamics of working, I'm reading at the bottom. Multiple sports, multiple coaches, including high school club coach off. Okay. Yeah, I think um, with that overarching, that's a lot of volume, a lot of different things. Um, keeping it quite simple, you know, some some time under tension, some ISOs, um, not too much grinding on the joints, but yeah, that's it's a lot of different things. And I think it comes back to like, what's going to be the most important, you know, for you as the strength coach, laying that out and keeping it simple, like laying out three to five things. All right, we want to get really, really good at these. Don't feel like you have to take over the world, especially with them doing so many other things out there. Like if they're already doing sprinting at practice, plyometrics at practice, depending on the sports that they're playing, XLs, D cells, like understanding what they're already getting and then you kind of filling in the other holes. Yeah, I was going to say pretty much exactly that. Like that looks like a lot. Um, what are the buckets that aren't getting filled? Yeah. And then I guess I would also take that one step forward and find out what bu what buckets are overfilling and find out what you can do to, you know, work around other things to maybe increase the depth of that bucket, right? Like we know that there are different things that you can do, um, say like specific aerobic qualities that you can increase uh, in, in a less than stressful manner than like running tempos or sprinting mm -hmm. that can increase their ability to recover. Uh, they can increase their ability to tolerate stress. They can increase their ability to uh, move from bout to bout within the bouts. Um, you know, so maybe starting to look at things of that nature too. You know, it's like my gut as always is one by 20, but I don't even know if that looks like you have two teams that they're practicing for at the same time. And one team is lifting twice a week already. So who knows what they're doing? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that like, that's a spot tone that you can see like some of Victor's model fitting actually. And the stuff that like Val talks about where if they have access to a bike that provides high resistance, like high resistance intervals, or even maybe doing those as lunges or step ups, uh, the high intensity continuous stuff where they're not going to be running, but able to improve those aerobic qualities. And this is me as a soccer head, um, reading club and club, um, thinking that this is soccer, especially since Virginia. Now this is soccer season which is weird to me. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Like that's hard, you know? Cause it's like, just, if you just take those things, if each one is done twice a week, that's six days. That's a lot. And if they're doing both at the same time, somebody's playing at some point. So that's yeah. hard, but appreciate the question. If anybody else has gotten fire away. Yeah, I think attacking that low-hanging fruit at the end of the day, because they're already going to be accomplishing so much throughout all that different training, so it's nuts. Yeah. Luck. You'll figure it out. No doubt. All right. Yeah, always, bro. Um, Chris McCormick asked a good one. Um, some of our breaks have been longer than others, and uh, he asked, what's one thing that you've taken from this break that you're going to incorporate going forward? Yeah, or adding or changing, so it could be subtracting as well. 
Yeah, no, I think uh, I was actually on a call with Chris the other day that Rick put together, just like a Zoom call of all of us getting together. And uh, I think one thing that I've taken from this longer break is sitting back and thinking about, well, coming off this long break, what do we have to put in place um, for a smooth transition coming off the long break? And we have to communicate on a high level with everybody, um, knowing that the student athletes only have um, the ability to do a lot of body weight training right now. So how we're coming off of this long break versus any other break is gonna look different. So taking the time to educate um, not only ourselves on that, but just understanding that these kids are getting deconditioned and getting creative um, with these home workouts of, hey, what are we gonna do to prepare them for coming back? But also my thought process is, and we kind of talked about it, we're on the Zoom call of doing some type of educational um, planning for us sitting down with um, the sport coaches, athletic training, nutrition of, hey, what are we going to have to focus on and look at coming off the break? Um, and that's why I got on the, the horn with old Fergus talking to him about like quality, quantity, frequency, and then contact depending on the sport and just trying to break it down to the sport coaches and plan with them what's going to be most important as we come back, um, let's say in July and or preseason um, and controlling. So I know like for example, athletic training will do their presentation on rapid analysis, like, hey, this is something I have to watch out for, this, that, and the other, but hey, now it's on a, a higher level of let's make sure as we're coming back, we're attacking things at a small level, mm -hmm. uh, dosing, things like that, and then getting a little more maximal, taking the time to sit down with the sport coaches and just plan at the highest level at this point, because it's going to be that much more important with this time period that we've had off, so I think. Um, even heightening our communication levels with the sport coaches coming off the break and just taking time to educate them. Because like this past year, I took time, we did a, a sports science open house with the sport coaches and we educated them on all the different pieces of technology that we had. Um, and I know they really appreciated it. So I think now sitting down and talking about collaborating of how our training is gonna bleed into, of course, the practices, but doing it at a macro level of sitting down with all the head coaches um, and educating them and then kind of having possible we had talked about in that call like breakout sessions of all right let's let's go into a baseball softball group a field sport group a golf um and talking to them about planning even more so so i think communication is just gonna have to rise like like always but uh i think just us taking the time to educate ourselves on the situation that we're in getting the most out of it and i know I, I talked with Rick a little bit about um, extreme isometrics um, and finding a way um, to get maximal effort, um, knowing that you can't add an external load. So like building it out. So at the end of this training block, they'll get up to holding like a three minute ISO, you know, but looking at different resources that maybe that you read way, way back when, um, and pull it back out and be like, remember that one article I read? This is what I could really use it, you know? So I think kind of going back through and reevaluating yourself and I know like everyone's been trying to hop on calls and things like that. And it's been refreshing to kind of get on calls with people that usually you don't have time to do during the year. And now that the situation has come, sadly, um, it's opened up opportunities to link up with people that you haven't chatted with in a while. No doubt. I'm going to piggyback on that. And I think the education part is something that, you know, when we start to look at these things and we start to um, continue to move forward, right? Like one thing that we can do is we can take this time now to build better ways of communicating and educating. And that's something that we're looking to try to do more of and try to meet them more where they're at, like on Instagram. Uh, 
I think finding ways for them to be able to better understand them being both the students, the student athletes and the coaches, for them to better understand some of these things that we would almost consider consistent headaches and why they're consistent headaches and things that we can remove from kind of the fake confusion of stuff will then allow us for them to be able to be more creative and more involved in what we're trying to do. I think that all too often, right, you run into these things and there's too many people who, and then, you know, like, my boy Donkoff says, like the thumb, pointing the thumb right now. Like I got a coach that, that allows me leeway 180 degrees in both directions. And as long as we're moving in the right direction, everything's good. But could things be even better if they had more of an understanding of like, like people know, like if you eat, like it's a seven-year-old sleepover party, it's probably not best. Do they know why? Do they know why, like, some choices actually, like, are bad? I mean, bad's, like, the wrong word, but, like, could, could have a negative impact. Do they know why, like, even though you've been doing something some way all the time, like, eating poorly and not going to bed until 2 o'clock in the morning, like, do they know why, like, things intertwine and why that actually could be preventing them from doing things better you know do they really understand why what we're doing in training is what we're doing in training and why there are things of that nature out there like and then do they even understand like the what right like i mean i think that this is a society and a group of young people that have been told what and how to do things for so long that a lot of critical thinking and decision-making for themselves has become somewhat limited. And we can now put ourselves in a situation where we can be very beneficial to them going forward through these platforms. And I think that that's something that, that we just talked about it a bit. Um, I need to be way better with it. Uh, but I think that it's something that, like, right now, we're going to try to get into. And I think that it's something that's going to carry us for a while going forward. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, actually, talking with Chris McCormick, he's on that question, talking with him a little bit, I really like this one idea. I hope this might be shared. I'm going to an awesome idea. He had mentioned he bought, like, since sport coaches, they'll buy a book for, like, their team, and then they'll give it to the strength coach to read along with it, um, ideas, themes. Um, culture building, but Chris had brought up about like him buying a book for the sport coaches there, especially like being the director and us trying to like learn from that book together. So we're learning common things of what we're working on for that year, I think, to drive culture and just understanding of training, then just finding a book that educates them on their level along with us to try to help collaborate too. So I think there's so many different ways, like not only we talk about educating the student athletes and putting together different performance groups and things like that, but also like bringing together especially when you're working within multiple um head sport coaches bringing them together too to have a, a similar vision and understanding like everyone talks about all the different silos but like at the end of the day i really try to think about like us nutrition sports psych athletic training as just all performance coaches and like 
it's not, you shouldn't be pointing fingers at one another. Like I'm a performance coach first, like my number one, like my primary is being a strength coach. Um, two would be like, okay, we're helping with return to play, you know, so that's working with athletic training. And then three, you're going to be working with nutrition. So like primary, secondary, additional responsibilities. So at the end of the day, once you kind of lay that out um, from a performance staff, it's not going to be pointing fingers. It's like, hey, we are collaborating and working together. So starting to think of it in a different manner. Um, and then the student athletes will start seeing it that way too. So they're not just thinking that like, I'm over here in a weight room, so-and-so's over there, the athletic training room, like, no, we're cont like, continuing to communicate and, and bridge these gaps more or less. I'd like to be able to see some of those, uh, Marie, if you wouldn't mind posting them. I think that you guys are probably gonna put out some stuff that people could use or borrow or even alter a little bit. Cause I think that those are things, those are things that like we all talk about, right? Nutrition, hydration, and sleep. But like how we would then display that information and how we would communicate it. I think that it ends up being the trying part, right? Because like hydration, one thing we know for sure is that if you don't rehydrate, hydrate properly, like mental capacities and performances go down mm -hmm. but like if you've got a bunch of people that may not really care that much about school like how are you going to communicate that like why that's important like you're going to tell them that they're not going to make as many dumb plays like and you know what i mean like there's a mm -hmm. bunch of things that can be challenging with how that communication goes through and like different mediums too right like social media is great um and we can do things that are, are really powerful and helpful and we can share them with a lot of people, but you can also have the message get thrown out, you know, you can throw the baby out with the bathwater if you're not having it be something that is visually appealing enough and, and gonna attract the right attention. Yeah, and I even know talking with our social media people here at Mississippi uh, State, they were talking about just like quality over quantity. So not getting caught up about like posting every single day, but quality content is so important. That's what you're talking about, just like the visuals and things like that, making sure they're high quality and something that people can go and like utilize after. Um, I know like Elon's been putting out some good stuff on their page of just like some of their processes of things. And I've talked with Nick DeMarco a little bit, even like sharing some information, but I think I can really appreciate when people are able to just like share info that's one thing like talking with our head sport coaches because some of them do follow our page and they're like well, we really appreciate the fact that in our field of snc we're so open of sharing information and trying to get better versus like a lot of sport coaches in their realms they're not so much because this is like their secret sauce more or less of how they're going to win games and things like that so i think that's one beauty of our field is we are able to put on different conferences like yours and, and sit down and really talk about some of the stuff that we are doing to help better the field and create more respect for us. Not to go off on the soapbox, but I think it's definitely a, a huge piece that's positive in our field and we should keep driving that and, and sharing ideas and content. And I think that's the beauty of social media. And our big piece of our page is just like trying to put stuff out there to get interns to come here. You know, that's like our sole purpose. and trying to for, like show like, hey, we are in Mississippi. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere, but we are doing good stuff. We got good people here. So like, those are the reasons to come, you know? So, uh, yeah. No, I dig it. And I, there's part of me, like the Gary V fan 
like disagrees that thinks that like we should put out as much as we possibly can and there's part of me that definitely understands like that it needs to be good quality stuff and i almost think that it's got to be kind of in the middle uh mm -hmm. with all that yeah but nah dude I'm, I'm with you great question though i'm actually interested to see how you handle this one right. how long will this go and how do we prefer prepare for coaches who want to go 100 percent when they come back on day one yeah um how long will this go it's a great question just stay in your house and hopefully it will lessen right that's what you're supposed to do and then um i think as we come back i think uh what i'm thinking about in my mind is setting up a zoom call with just like athletic training uh sports psych nutrition trying to get like a front created of um like we were talking about the education piece talking with them of like this is something that we're all going to deal with when we come back from break like from a performance staff of yeah these coaches are going to go really really hard but we all have an understanding that's probably not the best idea to go from zero to 100. Um, so finding a happy medium. And I think that's mm -hmm. gonna be like all of us sitting down and kind of attacking it, being proactive, like talking about it now, getting systems in place. So whenever we do get back, it's like, hey, let's be smart. This is what we're going to do. Um, and it not just being for like one team, but all teams. So yeah. they understand that we've done research and understanding of we want to make sure as we come back, we don't want our injuries to skyrocket. We all know that they've been doing bodyweight stuff for how long. Let's be intelligent about how we go about this. And everyone's in the same boat, you know. Our volume's really, really high as soon as we get back. Everyone gets hurt and no one's playing. So that's not going to benefit anybody. So we got to slowly build into it. Um, I think creating visuals and things like that for the sport coaches to understand. Um, and then uh, just presenting it in a way that it's not us telling them what to do. It's a... Uh, we're all working together. We want them to be able to play on this date. Like, we get back, hopefully, maybe in July for summer, too. Um, and we start season end of August, let's say, for volleyball. Like, hey, we need to be ready by the end of August. We don't need to be at our fittest point as soon as we get back. We've got to be in condition and ready to go and build over time. Um, so I think sometimes it's like, this is our conditioning test, and you have to pass it the day that you return. That's not realistic when they've been off for how long. So let's set some target goals, some landmarks along the way. So when we get to start playing, hey, this is where we're at. We're going to keep on building. So, I don't know if that's going to necessarily be a problem. You know, I think that the NCAA has been doing pretty well with this of late, right? Like they've got like those parameters that you have to follow when there has been a break that they already have in place. I'm sure that that's going to be something that's going to be addressed. Like, I, I don't know why I'm sure of it. I just, like, with the ways that they've been reactive and then to what the negative things that happened and have flipped it and are now trying to be proactive when dealing with student-athlete well-being after these long breaks, I don't, I don't necessarily know if that's going to be a problem. I think that there's going to be some form of guidelines or whatever that is going to be sent down to sports med and us that is going to be like, here's your first week and how you can handle it. And I think that they're probably going to take, take most of that out of our hands. If not, you better do what Steph's talking about. Uh, but for now, I'm going to trust Indianapolis is going to have our bases covered and they're going to do what's right. Um, yeah. I, don't, 
I mean, they pulled the plug on everything else because of safety. I couldn't imagine that someone didn't ask that question. But, but what happens when they come back? Is it just yeah. like, are we just pinning that car and hoping that brick wall gets out of the way? Or yeah. are we going to teach people how to drive again? Yeah. For sure. You know, I think um, it's been interesting just talking with different people, some of my mentors and things like that. Of like, hey, what are you doing over break to kind of, and like one of the questions on here is just stay connected with the kids um, and just like keep those relationships, not only with the kids, but with your staff too. Like, think about it. You go from like being around your staff for like 14 hours a day to all of a sudden like it's all gone. And it's like, all right, you want to just make sure like you're checking in with your staff, making sure they're emotionally okay, that they're like in their house by themselves every day and everything else. And I think it's like a double-edged sword of like, it's not only the student athletes, but it's like the coaches and the staffs too, of like making sure you're setting up calls and staying connected. Because as you sit there, more and more things and ideas come into your mind. If you're not staying in touch with your, like, your coaches and they're just building up all these ideas and all of a sudden you guys get back and they have 50 different ideas that you could have kind of like just check in every week um, and see what's going on. It could probably help from that building up too long that list. Yeah. And I'm going to actually play devil's advocate to this i like it i think i'm the cool uncle because they don't see me as often you know yeah. i think that like i think it's important for us to reach out and provide some basic simple starting point type things for these young people to be able to do um but I think that we also are in a time where we really can encourage creativity and things of that nature. I mean, no, within reason, right? Like, yeah. Like, don't be a dumb dumb, but like, allow them to have fun. You know, like, in a time where every last thing in their world is going to be an absolute shit show like they're taking class online now they're stuck in their house they can't see their friends the only way they can contact each other is snapchat and maybe facetiming each other like do we want to be a burden or do we want to be something that can encourage creativity and fun and, and something different you know and this is coming from the dude who says we're going to do the same exercise exercises three days a week and you're going to keep getting better at it all that like i am like mr grind like do it all the same yeah um but i don't know there's just like part of me right now that thinks like we sent out our program. That's great. You know, we, we, we had, we have some ideas about how we can get some other ideas for the kids to do it. But there's part of me that really thinks like, I would rather they coach me on what they're doing than me coach them and have them resent having to come back. Does that make sense? For sure. For sure. No, I think it depends on like, like there's so many different cultures within like my setting of Olympic sports. You got teams that like, maybe I got 
volleyball that I know they like some love. So I'm going to reach out to them a little bit more. Um, but then like softball, I just got done with season with them. So I may be a little bit more hands off because like all of a sudden our season came to a halt and they're already upset about that. So like, I'm not going to be up there rear end about working out every day. When we just got done, we just stopped in the middle of the season. So I think it depends on the team that you're working with and you just understand as a strength coach, what relationship they need or want um, and what they like expect from you from just past time, you know? Because, like, for sure, I think academia, like, them getting used to these online classes, that's going to be number one of just making sure that they're handling that and creating a, a schedule but um, and setting that up. So kind of letting academics take the, the forefront right now and we're somewhere in there, but uh, understanding that they got to get used to these online classes first and foremost and just having some type of routine. Because think about it, we're all trying to figure this out, too, at the same time. You know, we're not used to sitting here all day at home, like, trying to not go crazy, more or less. So... <laughs> We're in the same boat as them, so I think I, – I like what you're saying, too, the cool uncle. I think that's the one cool piece that we have as strength coaches is, like, we're not the head coach. We're, we're there to support the head coach and what they're trying to do. But then, again, we do get to be the cooler end of the spectrum. we got to drop the hammer every now and again, but not as frequently. The head but that, you know, piggybacking that, right? Like, we associate different things with different situations, right? Right now, these kids are going to see this. And they're going to say, I got to sit for a lecture. I got to do this. I got to do a paper. Are they going to sit there and be like, I want to take this out too and talk with Jay or talk with Steph? Like, is that what they want? Or are we now incorporating ourselves or encroaching on an area where maybe we don't want to be in, you know, because of, of simplicity, like, and then like getting into their phones. Is that, like having them FaceTime with us and do all these other things. Like, are we now encroaching kind of in the area where they're escaping and being with their friends and their teammates away from us? Because we are in this unique little corner of their development, right? Where there's so much different, there's so many different things that we can do to help each individual but none of which may be exactly what is going to lead them to be the best player they've ever been. So if we're sitting here trying to support them from a distance, I think we need to also take into consideration how they may react to the medium that we're incorporating them, right? Like, mm -hmm. so I don't know. You know, we, we just talked a lot about some of this stuff, and there was like some really, like really interesting things that are being brought up around our campus that I don't know what the answers are yet or how you can do it. Um, but even just like training people from a distance to begin with is mostly going to be just looking at numbers and what they've done and volumes and intensities or qualities and quantities and making sure their progressing is planned. Mm -hmm but do you get to watch it? Like, yeah. are you coaching or are you delivering a workout? And when you're delivering that workout or you're delivering that program, how can you do that in a unique manner to increase their ability or their desire to want to do it? You know, that's the next part. Yeah, I know I've even talked with some strength coaches about like, hey, are we able, like, because this came out of left field, right? So are we able to send them all, like, a small package with, like, 
a couple things that would allow us to build out our assortment of exercises. And I sent them a package with like a mini band, a one inch band, a half inch band. So that can allow me to pick from different things um, uh, for their home workouts. You know, like, are we able to do that as strength coaches with the NCAA and send them? And then hopefully like making sure, of course they bring it back depending on your budget and things like that. But I think that's one idea to help build it out. Cause at the end of the day, we don't know when they're gonna be able to like go into a gym or when gyms open back up and every state is handling a little bit different of like, California has shut down versus like Mississippi. Not that many people travel here. So our situation may be a little bit better off, but um, can we do something like that with the knowing of how long this is going to be? Can we send them a couple different things that can allow exercise selection for us to be built out a little bit more? Yeah. And I think that, you know, I got to talk to Hank middle of last week and what he said was, this is just going to be a test of our creativity. And I think that like, We've got a couple ideas that might end out being pretty fun. Um, we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, like I, I know, Tone, I'm with you. I know some people had sent some stuff home. Um, budgetarily wise, that could be a challenge, though, sending all that stuff. But um, yeah, I think that. Like, this is uncharted territory for a lot of us, right? You know, like, what? We love to talk about low-hanging fruit, so let's <laughs> make sure we're taking care of that the best we can first. And and I think that it's, it's going to come back still to educating and then trying to get them to enjoy some stuff while they're at home, and hopefully this blows over sooner than later. Yeah. I think every head coach is kind of handling it a little bit different depending on their personality. And are they trying to like micromanage them in a sense of they better be working out every single day if they're like a fall sport because season's going to come and we need to be ready, you know, versus like some of the spring sports are like, well, our season just came to an end. So I'm not going to like try to micromanage them on that level. You know, I'm just going to focus on academia and making sure they pass classes with this unique forum that they're now in of online classes. So I think like trying to find a happy medium and handling talking with your sport coaches and trying to keep them calm to a certain degree too, mm -hmm. you know? So, or even like, I know some strength coaches are like trying to get them all to log into a zoom call and work out at the same time every day. Like, Hey, we're going to work out at 4 PM every day, log into your zoom and this, that and the other. It's like, is that the level, like not knowing how long this is going to last. Do you want to start out your first four weeks of like a training block, let's say or three weeks, um, having to log in every day at four, and working out with you or is that something you kind of want to keep in the hopper in your back pocket for maybe the next training phase um and getting creative who knows you know i'd be interested to hear how people are doing that because i think that like one if you have a small team golf right there's like six people on there yeah are you actually able to identify anything that's like being done right or wrong, or is it basically just we're just sitting at home watching them exercise? Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. know. Like, are you critiquing anything through the camera to a certain degree? Yeah. Like, are, if, and, and, okay, let's say something bad does happen. Like, what can you do now? You're just sitting there watching them on the internet. It's like, it's like yeah. saw, right? It's like, what do you do? <laughs> 
You know, <laughs> it's like you're just sitting here watching something bad happen. Like fall on the floor or something, and you're like, oh, well. Oh, yeah. Or like you see take <laughs> a bad step. Like, then what do we do? Like, there's these things that I think that, like, we're looking at it and we're diving right into these ideas, but it's like, but, but what, what are we able to do? Like, other than to be able to say they were all here and they did these exercises and you have visual confirmation of it, which is great, which is important, but depending on your league rules and Kara or what at this time, right? Like, and then what do you, now my question would be, what happens if a kid doesn't show up? Exactly. Yeah. Or like with the online classes, like what are those schedules? Like we've randomly had to add online classes. So like what, what's the scheduling from you call your academic advisor and you're like, Hey, like with your team, what's the situation with their online classes? Is it like they just can log in whenever they want? Or is there like a time block that I need to figure out to like do these training classes? Or like my big thing is like, I'd rather a team be player led. So like just getting the captains to possibly just handle it. You know, do you trust in your team? Do you have that culture built up within your team to be able to trust them to do that? And I don't have to micromanage. Like I'd rather do that like from a player led, not coach fed. Cause that's how things like for me should be built out. You know, if they want to do it, they'll do it. If they don't, then you're not going to play. So it doesn't really matter, you know? Yeah. And like, then how do you distinguish things too? Right. So like what you got in your house is great. Right? Like, not everyone's going to have that. So yeah. now what do you do? Like, do you have your Stephanie Mott call and then your Jay DeMeo call and then your Chris McCormick call? And then like, and then what happens, right? Like you, you're talking more about, you need to run more. So like, am I running or like watching you run with your, like, like where, like I think that a lot of these are really good ideas, but we need to take a step back and say like, what can we do to be best that's able to be maintained throughout? Like, you know, I think a lot of these platforms are going to help us like these AMSs are going to help us be able to track more things. But even then, we're just relying on basically truth versus lie. Mm -hmm. So my question would be, would you rather have to rely on truth versus lie? Or would you rather show up to a Zoom call and know four of the 10 kids just were like, go screw, I'm not coming? Yeah. No, for sure. It's like. I think too, at the end of the day, like what if you are watching a workout via Zoom and someone does get hurt or pull something or something occurs, you're liable. Like if you're forcing them to show up on this call and then something happens, like risk reward, you know, like was it really worth forcing them all to get on the Zoom call at this time? Um, but it is an accountability factor. So like, at least I can see that everybody's there. I think it comes down to like what you've built up. Like what have you been doing as a strength coach? What has been important up to this time? Um, and then relying on those different pieces from a culture standpoint of expectations that you have for them. You know, can I trust in all the kids? Like if I have one of the captains of the team say like, Hey, let's all log in and do this workout without me being there. Can they handle that? Are they a team of that level? Or were you still kind of working on like volleyball in the off season and working on figuring out leadership strategies and things like that in the weight room? Like, can I lean on someone just yet with all the captains and seniors graduating? Like, Where's your team at and handling some of these different things? Because it may not be a, a cookie cutter approach. Like how you approach 
baseball and softball may not be how you're going to approach golf and tennis, you know, but mm -hmm. and like, I know tennis, like we still have kids that can't get back to Europe. So they're still here in Starkville. So like, maybe if we do get clearance that people can come back and work in the weight room, like, are we going to make everybody come back? Even if they're still in online courses, like these are all questions we can't really answer right about now. I know <laughs> it's wild, dude. But I think that like conversations like this, like, Like, like are what need to happen. And that's why I think that like recording these and sharing these later, like are going to help drive more conversation. And, you know, always do. I walk away from these talks and you're, you've got my brain rattled thinking about other things. <laughs> that's, so, that's a good thing or a bad thing. No, it's good. It's good. it's good. It's always good because it's always like, it always makes me question myself a bit and it makes me figure out, you know, the the where's you know because like we're like, we're really good with the the what's in the house for the most part right it's figuring out the where's like where that is actually going to fit or where that won't fit or or where we should be implementing different things right now um because the trying part is right like especially like in someone you know and there's a few people that work in basketball that are on here like my guys are so used to being doing like different things and like stuff that we work on together that like it would be really hard to get them all on the same page doing something right now, like a, almost like a class. Mm -hmm. And the women that I get to work with are so used to having, you know, input and, and understanding of what they need to improve upon that I think that like right now they may have a hard time being stuck in a situation where it's everybody's just going to do this because yeah, 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 for sure. And you spend all this time building that trust and autonomy and understanding for them. And it's kind of like, you know, when the going get tough, the tough get going, except right now you're just going to do what I said. Yeah, yeah. And I could see there being some blowback with that, but like you brought up a lot of really good points that are things that I need to think about moving forward. No, same. Yeah. <laughs> I think all of us are thinking about it. Like, what are we going to do? How are we going to attack this in an intelligent realm? And then also like being creative. I think it's definitely a good time to get the creative juices flowing on what you can do. Um, and I think like leaning on one another too, you know, because we're all going through the same stuff. So making some calls, posting maybe what, what you're doing that makes it unique and helping other people pick up ideas along the way. No doubt, dude. Kick-ass hour. Great to see you. For Glad sure. You're doing well. Thanks, Jay. It was fun. Yeah. Always is. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. All right. Talk yeah, soon. Sure. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Definitely. Appreciate y'all coming on. Cheers. And a huge thanks to Stephanie Mock for spending the time with us today. Guys, I... I mean it when I say it. Every time I get to talk to Coach Mock, there is something that I take away. There's something that makes me question what I'm doing. And there's something that's going to drive another conversation with both her and someone else in the very near future. And this was no exception. As always, I can't thank Stephanie enough for her open, honest, candid sharing and everything she's doing to not just make the student-athletes that she gets to work with better, but the coaches around the country better. She shares as much information, if not more, than anyone in the collegiate sector. And, and I can't thank her enough for everything she's doing. 
and for spending the time and being so open, honest, and candid with her sharing today. And as always, guys, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. And as always, we're just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we can. And as always, thank you for everything you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.